Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Bill Handel, on demand from KFI AM 640. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery until you know how Bill Handel affects you. High doses may cause mental problems. And now, here's Bill Handel. KFI AM uh, 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Handel here on a uh, Friday. It's going to be a nice day today, too. Hot, but a nice day. It's going to be not a schwitz. It's going to be hot. I think we're going to be doing that for the summer, aren't we? Oh, yeah. We're back to that one. Uh, the snow melt uh, is, uh, is and is going to be huge news because the snowpack is uh, unprecedented up in the uh, Sierras, uh, particularly at the eastern uh, Sierras, uh, where we get an enormous amount of water down here in Southern California. Uh, now, we're going to get a whole lot of water, and uh, there's some good news. Uh, one, we're going to get a whole lot of water. Now, if uh, you happen to be a, a rafter and you go on uh, some of the rivers, uh, it's pretty extraordinary. I mean, you're going to die. I mean, you'll be dead 10 feet into the trip, but it's going to be really exciting for the first 10 feet. Uh, there is some downside, and there are some things about this that, I didn't know that I'm going to share with you. First of all, we had, I mean, the storms. I mean, it was a month of it. It eroded a section of the Los Angeles aqueduct, aqueduct and crews are still scrambling to fix it. Uh, the uh, Los Angeles Department of Water and Power <clears throat> uh, head says our crews are working 12-hour shift. And right now, the runoff is expected to be 225% of normal. Uh, normal uh, is uh, May to June. This year goes through August. And already, and this is the part that you go, come on, really? The DWP is already emptying reservoirs to create more storage. Water goes into the ocean. Uh, because we have so much water going to Southern California this spring and summer. The hope is that the snow melt... The mountains, uh, the stays, uh, the snow stays frozen long enough up in the mountains to give everybody enough time to prepare, to just uh, prepare for the flooding. That is what they're looking at. Now, for example, the Owens Valley, where we get most of our water, uh, the aqueduct uh, <coughs> was built in 1913, and by 1926, the Owens Valley, huge lake, was dry because we took all the water. Well. It's now a lake again, and the problem is it's alkaline, 
The only thing that left were toxic uh, chemicals, uh, minerals uh, in the soil, even to the point where it was so uh, dangerous and so bad because uh, the it was dry. The bottom of the lake became dry. And you had all these toxic minerals that were left. The DWP had to spend $2.5 billion over the years to clean up the air. Air pollution control, and we're talking about it's been going on for 30 years. That's how bad it is. So they're really dealing with this, and we're going to deal with this. Now, the good news is all the water restrictions are basically gone. I think you can wash your cars now. I don't think the washing car police are going to be coming around anymore. Uh, but the real, real challenge is what do you do with all this water? And I was uh, driving with some uh, friends yesterday and uh, talked about the rain. When it rains, uh, L.A., Orange County, we're paralyzed. We can't drive because we're not used to it. You go to Seattle. I mean, they. You, you look at the streets. You know what I noticed? You know those storm drains on in the curbs, you know, along the curb? And you go to Seattle, they're every two feet. I just started looking at them, and I never have done that before. You know, they're every quarter mile apart. You know, the flooding that happens, we're simply not prepared for it. Now, the good news is um, tens of thousands of waterfowl, uh, fowl, gulls, shorebirds are taking advantage, and it has become a huge wetland. For all of these thousands. So for those of you that uh, in, enjoy nature and enjoy looking at birds flying down uh, and hitting the water and hitting uh, the uh, shores, you're going to see tens of thousands of them. So that that's kind of nice. Also, the hunting is great. The shooting of those birds uh, is just terrific if you happen to have a shotgun. All right. Now, moving to a topic uh, that is being covered, I mean, all over the country, huge story. And this is Jack uh, Teixeira, that young 21-year-old uh, Air Force Reserve guy who uh, was uh, uh, a, a computer guy. I guess he was uh, a maintenance uh, young man who dealt with uh, uh, the computer system up in, I think it was uh, up north in Connecticut. Uh, in any case, uh, as you know uh, by now, that... Uh, he shared information, top high-end classified information that he had access through, not because he was cleared to deal with it, but he got into it because he had to. That's how he was able to check his computers. He was arrested. Uh, he was part of this group where he actually released this information, highly secret uh, topics, uh, really involving uh, U.S. and uh, United national security. So now he gets arrested. And he is asking to be released pending his trial. And the defense attorneys are going, yes, sirree, Bob, we got to let him out. And the prosecution basically says, you're out of your mind. So uh, let's start with uh, Wayne on this one. And uh, there was a, um, it's a pre-trial, uh, I guess, report by here. the defense uh, arguing that he should be at least released and I'm talking about released on bond. We're not talking about just released or acquitted. So how does this work, these pretrial uh, reports? Uh, well, uh, you have a detention hearing, and some of them are very informal, by the way. 
in a lot of cases, you literally just come in there. Nobody files any paperwork. You talk for five minutes in front of the judge and they set something. This had a motion for detention by the government and a motion for release by the defense and a supplemental motion by the government. They're really spending a lot of time on the question of does he stay in prison pending trial or is there some combination of conditions under which he should be released? Now, there are two big categories of things you got to think about if you're going to let somebody out. Are they are they I will say this, uh, the the integrity of the process and danger to the community. And then underneath the umbrella of the integrity of the process is will they show up? Are they a flight risk? Will they try to obstruct or interfere with the proceedings? And the government is saying, yes, he will flee. Yes, he will obstruct the hearings and the evidence that they're presenting of these two things, number one, now this is an interesting theory of why he's a flight risk. Usually you say, the person's mother lives in Romania and he has a passport and he has enough money to get on a plane and go. You kind of look at the practical ability to flee. They're not looking at that. You know what they're saying? He released all this uh, classified information. He has even more classified information that we haven't really talked about publicly yet. And we are fearful that a foreign government hostile to the United States will help him get out of the country and go there where they will harbor him. Now, I, and I want to bring up one more, then I'm going to ask you uh, a question. And of all the people, I mean, I would have gone to you as an outside expert on this one, Wayne. We just happen to have you on the show. Uh, the other argument that uh, the prosecutors are arguing, just looking at the time in prison that he's looking at virtually for the rest of his life, possibly, that in and of itself makes him a flight risk. How legitimate is that? It is one of the specified things that a judge is to consider when they are considering uh, whether to release somebody. And in fact, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but there are certain crimes that if you are that if you are charged with them, you're not allowed to be out on bail. This isn't one of them. Yeah, but there are. So there's a whole long statute that that has a bunch of different things, and what you're talking about is a legitimate part of the matrix. All right, so I'm looking at uh, the prosecution saying he is a flight risk. Uh, he is a risk because of foreign government. Uh, may get involved in ha having him squirreled away or him releasing information because he has access. We don't even know how much he has. There is evidence that he has a lot more uh, than is first reported. Uh, now, I'm looking at this, and I'm, and the, the, the defense is saying, first of all, that's not true. That's pure speculation. Uh, second of all, there's no indication that a foreign government's going to come in and do it. I mean, that's uh, hypothetical. Uh, and he's looking at the long trial. I don't know if they refer to that. But he's looking at a long sentence, and somehow it wasn't. Uh, for me, I'm looking at this thing, and uh, the uh, defense uh, arguments are ridiculous, except for the foreign government. Uh, it's. I think it's a stretch, and tell me if this is legitimate, because you've dealt with this for years. Well, it is true. The government's argument that a foreign government might want to help him is entirely speculative, and I've read their the government's motion, so I know everything that they told the judge. They don't have 
actual evidence that that is the case, but they are speculating. That is the weakest, perhaps, part of their argument. However, they have a pretty good argument that he might interfere with the prosecution if he's released because, as they point out, he deleted the social media server where he posted the information. He encouraged the other people in that Discord group to delete evidence that they had. He got a new phone number and a new email address, and he smashed several electronic devices, including a laptop at his house, and threw them in the dumpster. And they're saying if he's out and about, he might do other things to try to frustrate the continuing okay. investigation. So the fear that he is going to just leave uh, and flee. He's got no money. They obviously take away his passport. I think that's kind of weak. Uh, but when you put it all together in totality, uh, I'm looking at this. I don't think there'd be a judge in the country that would release him on bond. Well, we haven't even got to, and we can do it quickly. The other, the other thing, which is, is he a danger to the community? He made statements that if he had his way, he would kill an S ton of people. He was talking about taking a very, he said, the specific kind of van and turn it into an assassination van. He asked people for advice about what kind of a rifle would be easiest to operate from the back of an SUV and that he would conduct a shooting in a crowded urban or suburban environment. So if you don't believe he's a flight risk, and I'm not sure that he mm. is, I think there's a very strong argument he is a danger to the community because he didn't just really yeah. he's not a chelsea manning who just said i think people should know about this he this was wrapped up in a whole bunch of other even if he is, violence if even if he is not charged with any of that other than releasing governmental secrets uh it's uh does the judge oh, it doesn't matter that he's not charged the, okay the, the court absolutely okay. can consider it fair enough absolutely. that's what that's what and I want to should. know. Bottom line, is he is it any chance of him being released? Uh, there's a slim chance that he gets out if the government, if the judge weighs too much on the government's being speculative here. All right, Wayne, thanks. Jerry Springer died yesterday, and he was a television guy, and there are lots and lots of television uh, people out there, but he uh, was a cultural phenomenon, his show, uh, for a couple reasons that I'll get into it in, a, in uh, the meantime or in a, in a moment. Uh, he was a politician, obviously presided over the Jerry Springer show. Uh, and if you ever looked at the show, and I saw it a few times, uh, on-air fights, uh, nudity, blurred, uh, bleeped out profanity, a lot of them, uh, totally out of control guests, uh, including feuding relatives, swingers, uh, furniture throwing boyfriends, accusations, confrontations, and you had uh, the goons, uh, the security, quote, these huge guys that were there uh, that pulled people apart. And uh, the people fighting were, quote, spontaneous. It's like hockey, uh, that uh, you, you think that hockey isn't there because of the fights. Uh, that's the whole point. Springer was a lawyer. Survived a prostitution scandal. This one I love. He uh, was tagged with writing checks to a prostitute. My first question is, who writes checks to a hooker? You would think that that would be cash. You would think. I mean, it's smart if there's no money 
where the checks are coming from. Uh, yeah, that's true. If there's no intent uh, to pay, it's true. That's not a bad idea. All right. Should be a lawyer. Uh, he was mayor of Cincinnati. He was actually a local news anchor before launching the Jerry Springer show in 1991. Uh, it went on the air in insanely successful syndication for 27 years. And he never apologized for that show. He wore it as a badge of honor. Uh, a uh, The Los Angeles uh, TV critic, Howard Rosenberg, who is an award-winning uh, critic. I mean, he was very, very famous. In 1997, said Springer wears his sleaze and slime like a ch uh, chest full of medals. TV Guide rated the Jerry Springer show as the worst show in the history of television. And he reveled in that. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, it, uh, she denounced the show. Now, he, he, for a period of time, actually had better ratings than she did. And remember her ratings. Uh, she dismissed the show as a vulgarity circus. He wouldn't disagree with that. And if you look at the title of the episodes, those were particularly fun. For example, Three Sons with Grandma was one of them. I Married a Horse. I mean, for real. Now, a few t TV stations said, uh, we're not going to carry that one because of the discussion of interspecies relationships. Oh. Euphemism for interspecies relationships. Then there's another episode, Clanfrontation. Uh, this was between Irv Rubin, who is or was the chairman of the Jewish Defense League. And I knew Irv very well. Uh, Irv was completely insane. And uh, they uh, and Springer had him on with uh, a bunch of Ku Klux Klan members that were dressed in their robes. That was a good fight. And if you look at what he did, uh, he was the referee, he was the ringmaster, he was a carnival barker. And uh, when a brawl would break out on the air, which always was, I won't say contrived or planned, but they knew it was going to happen because the very show was based on that. Springer usually looked shocked. Oh, you can't fight? Then the bouncer stepped in, the studio audience, boos and cheers. And man, it was pure entertainment, and he was proud of that. There was one story that got serious. One of his guests, a gal by the name of Nancy Campbell, was murdered by her ex-husband right after she appeared on the show as part of an episode uh, titled Secret Mistresses Confronted. Uh, the producer wanted her, her ex-husband, his new wife to fight on stage. Well, they fought because right after the show, he ended up killing her. Family members uh, blamed Springer for the murder itself because setting up the confrontation on the show. The murder happened afterwards. They sued. They settled for nothing. He And he would have won anyway. And uh, he told Reuters in an interview that he would never watch his own show, but defended it. This is escapist entertainment. And he said, all of television is a canned, restricted, vanilla view of life. He's right. And he said, these are people and uh, they are vilified simply because they don't speak the Queen's English. Let me tell you when you talk about not speaking the Queen's English. Oh, yeah. Daytime television, the guests are incredible. I shared with you, and I had the worst television show next to Springer. Uh, 1995, 1996, I had a TV show. 
And uh, it was much like interviewing guests and crazy guests. And I'm not going to exaggerate now. This is an absolute true story. And this is, gives you an idea of what daytime television is. We would have guests just like this on the show. They would be picked up at the airport. There was a contract with a local dentist that when, if the guests didn't have front teeth, the dentist put on temporary teeth for the purposes of the show. That's uh, not true. That is absolutely true. Are you serious? It is absolutely <gasps> true. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, oh yeah. No, I've got stories that wow. could go on. Oh, I could write a book on the stories of that TV show. Of course, it was canceled after one season uh, because it was, it, it was horrible. But still, <laughs> uh, it was, um, you know, and he ran for governor. Uh, he was the mayor of Cincinnati. Uh, he was a city councilman at the age of 27. I mean, just an extraordinary guy. Uh, he was on Dancing with the Stars. He hosted America's Got Talent for two seasons. He uh, was in a movie, uh, a, fictional, a fictional movie uh, of him. Uh, and uh, in my favorite one, there was a, a hit British musical, Jerry Springer, The Opera. And, oh, and that it, was the best. And imagine him conducting his show in hell. Remember, one of the songs was like, I've been sleeping with your mom. What the F? What the F? Oh, yeah. Just I mean, literally, it was to opera. It was just terrific. Yep. Okay. Uh, it's a great story. I love it. Jerry Springer. He's going to be missed. I mean, what a character he was. Now, uh, take out a dollar bill. And uh, there's George Washington. Everybody knows that. And if you look at the upper left-hand uh, part of uh, the bill, it says in very small letters, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. You would think that they have to take your money because it's legal tender. I mean, you know, they have to take it, right? The stores, not true. How many stores have you gone to? How many places have you gone? No, it, no cash anymore. I went to a crypto uh, the other day, uh, crypto stadium, uh, nothing, no cash. Try to go on a Southwest airline and try to buy something with cash. Nope. We only take credit cards. So cash is out. No longer is cash king. Paper currency, coins, unsanitary, inconvenient, uh, actually costly to handle, easy to steal. Two-fifths of Americans use no cash in 2022. And now, uh, what does the country have to decide? Uh, is ditching the dollar bill a good idea? And back in 2015, fewer than a quarter of consumers went cashless. Uh, now it's two-fifths, uh, and uh, that is a big deal. And here's a couple of arguments. Uh, Jay Stanley, a senior policy analyst at the ACLU, big fan of cash. He goes, when you pay cash, I give you money. You give me a good end of the story. We're done. Now, if you're using a credit card then the data being collected is enormous. Your activities, your medical conditions, your political donations, your sexual activities. But those are only hookers that take uh, credit cards, by the way. Uh, how uh, much liquor you buy, how many cigarettes you buy. Whoa, that's all true because we've been hearing, of course, that using going on the internet itself, just going and visiting a site you know, looking, what was I just looking at? Uh, I think I was just looking at a camera uh, for uh, the computer. Uh, now I'm going to get ads and lots of them. You know, they, they know that I'm looking for that. 
Uh, they know, you know, looking for, well, I'm not even going to go into that because that's embarrassing. In, in any case, uh, New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, uh, they own, they have passed laws that say you have to accept cash. Most other cities are fine with it. So how did this happen? Well, COVID sped up the cashless trend. Uh, the pandemic, well, you know, the virus might spread on uh, currency. Okay, conspiracy people. Uh, and a lot of people just stopped carrying cash. And I, the only reason I have cash, and I always have cash in my pocket for two reasons. First of all, I... Um, Always carry a $100 bill with me just in case there is a uh, uh, some kind of an emergency. Also, if someone sticks a gun to my head and says, give me all of your money, it's generally high. And if I only have 60 cents, he's probably going to blow my brains out. So I want him at least to be happy uh, that he held me up. So that's the other reason I carry cash. Uh, but uh, here's the all the advantages of a cashless society. I just told you the downside, and it's a big downside, the data they could get, because that's where real money is. Real money is. Now, three-fifths of wealthier Americans, those with six-figure household incomes, uh, they have no cash. They don't use any cash at all. The only time I use cash other than the $100, so when I get held up, the guy's going to be happy, uh, is I use it to tip uh, servers at restaurants. That's it. Because they I, they just uh, appreciate cash. Uh, because, of course, uh, they immediately will tell the IRS that they receive that cash, and there is no issue. But that's it. The rest of the time, I reach in my pocket, and I reach for the dollar bill, and I put the amount of money in my money clip, and uh, I haven't, well, yesterday I went to lunch uh, with my family and uh, I tipped in cash. And that was the last time in weeks that I pulled uh, money out of my pocket. Now, there are some downsides for poor people. And here it is. They don't use credit cards. And when you and I use credit cards, uh, we are paying for the privilege. In other words, the retailer uh, will charge 1% to 3%, pass it on that the retailer has to pay the banks for the transaction. It's not free. So this is where banks make a pile of money. So while we get the benefit, you've got people that are, quote, underbanked. I love that. The euphemism, underbanked. I guess that means poor. That's just another way to say no money. And what they're doing is actually subsidizing those of us that use credit cards. And this is where the ACLU comes in and says that is so unfair that people who can least afford it are subsidizing those that, uh, in fact, use credit cards. It's also a very stupid way to borrow money is uh, overextending your credit card because now you are paying 29% or 30% interest, which used to be usury. You couldn't do it. It was against the law. It was a crime. Uh, those days are still gone. And... The bottom line is, and this is the one that's the toughest, is that the data that was uh, that is received, there is, let me look this up, there is an article that was written uh, that is quoted constantly uh, about the use of uh, cash. Uh, there was a writer for uh, the Washington Post who uh, went in and uh, bought a, a bunch of bananas from Target, and it was 29 cents. 
and he went ahead and put his card in, which you can do if you do a machine. You can put in anything. And he said the amount of data they got, far more than uh, what they got in selling the bananas. I mean, that is a nothing where the data they get from our credit cards is so insanely valuable. And then also small businesses get nailed uh, because small businesses uh, really don't accept cash. It's, it's, and that's why you're seeing this. Why? Because it's expensive with cash. It's, um, you know, you've got cash registers. Uh, there's security. Uh, the money is easy to steal. There's one small business uh, that got ripped off five times. Okay, we're done. And with credit cards, it's all done for you. The only problem is a small business has to pay money to the credit card companies. But you're paying for it. We're moving into a cashless society big time. Go to Disneyland, they accept cash. Uh, go to Angel Stadium, no cash. Only credit cards. Coming up, Steve Gregory with a story that he broke yesterday. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You've been listening to The Bill Handel Show. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.